Welcome to Spiritism uh, uh, on Kardec Radio Facebook Live. Today is June 2nd, 2019. And before I start, I want to recommend everybody to go to uh, uh, spiritismstudy.org. There's a link I put on into the Facebook page, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. I just actually did today on my uh, page, I just... Uh, did a link to the calendar section. People are now signing up to um, speak to me on a weekly basis to study Spiritism. We talk about whatever subject you would like as far as whatever book, Spiritism you would like. Uh, we, and so please, and especially uh, those out there who would like to speak to me personally, set up a calendar time. I will. It sends me your email. I will e email you back and we'll set up a time. I will either use Skype or WhatsApp, right? I can do it either on the cell phone, if that's good for you, or Skype. You can do it on your computer, and I can wear my headphones, and we can talk face-to-face. -face. So I'm glad this is working now. It's very exciting. I'm hoping this is better. So let's see if this still works when I bring up the Spirits book. So here's the Spirits book. That's where Spiritism started with Alan Kardec in 1850s. You can click on his picture on my site. On my site on his picture on my site and it'll take you to the EDICEI bookstore and you can buy his, fa uh, his five major books by Alan Kardec. I'd recommend you start on Spiritism, at least getting the Spirits book. That's why I have written books. I've written my uh, case for reincarnation. How about the video chat on Messenger? Yes, I can also use video chat on messenger so that is no problem if you want to sign up i will email you and we can use video chat on messenger i forgot that one and thank you for telling me so what are we talking about tonight we're talking about the case for reincarnation right here's the book so this is a book you can get on my website you can go to nwspiritism.com on the right hand side you can see a list of all my books you can see some books behind me but really what we're talking about now is reincarnation so let's go forward with that. So the question we're talking about now is how do we tie our spirit to our body? You may ask, how does reincarnation really work? How can we know who we are in successive lives and in the spirit world? So the answer is the para-spirit. The para-spirit is the part of us that combines with our purely physical body at birth and detaches from the latter upon death. So the paraspirit is very interesting. In fact, I will see if I can download uh, a picture of that uh, at a later talking point so you can see it as far as how it combines. But if you could, if you look at the spirit, the spirit, and then you've got the paraspirit, which connects from our, our uh, spirit body, connects to our physical body. And this the paraspirit covers us like an invisible diving suit, right? And it only detaches from, from our body upon death. And the paraspirit knows, I don't know how, it knows at what time we're supposed to die. And that is why people who commit suicide or unconscious suicide like Andre Luis uh, will still like maybe see their body decomposing because they sometimes because the paraspirit won't detach until that date so therefore if you leave early you're still 
connected to your physical body even though it's no longer functioning. That is why you should take care of yourself, take care of your body like a temple, because that will not detach until the time is up. So there's a lot of uh, more detailed explanations in, in my book, but I'm trying to give you a quick and relatively uh, summary. Now, Matthew asks, with the silver cord being the anchor point, yes, I was, we're going to bring this up. So when you hear people talk about detaching themselves from their body, and they see, I saw this silver cord, and that is the parasite. And the silver cord can can go for a million miles. I mean, it's I think it's more of a logical cord, but you see it as a silver uh, silver cord. And yes, so that is the that's the anchor point. So your that is the part that takes your from your spirit to your body. Now you can ask another thing that people ask is. So what happens, because I always thought this myself, so what happens if, let's say I have a brain injury, and so when I die, if I'm still me, am I this person that can't think or, or whatever? And the answer is no. So your brain is, is inferior to your spirit intelligence center, to your spirit brain. And so when people who are born with disabilities or if someone you know, becomes disabled because of an accident, or whatever all that means is that brain can only interpret less and less uh, going back and forth between your physical brain and your spirit brain so let's talk about how this paraspirit controls our body so in the book heaven and earth by the spirit Henri Louise there is a quick summary of how this paraspirit controls our physical body the corresponding passage below what I'm going to read to you describes a team of spirits examining a male spirit named Julio, who had poisoned himself while incar incarnated on earth. Now, even as a spirit, his throat is an area of pain. The team leader, Clarenzo, explains the now discarnated spirit's problems in order for them to understand Julio's case. However, he first begins with the explanation about the impact of thought on the physical body by way of the paraspirit's force centers. This is what he says. Whatever the corruption of the thought is, such will be the disharmony in that particular force center that reacts in our body to this or that class of mental inflow. Let's apply earthly terminology to our short lesson as much as possible so that you can better grasp what we are saying. As we analyze the physiology of the paraspirit, we may classify its force centers by remembering the most important areas of the physical body thus using the best expression for the vehicle that serves us presently there is the crown center which on earth is considered by the hindu philosophy as being <coughs> excuse me as being the thousand petal lotus and the most important center of all due to its high radiation potential and its connection with the mind the shining seat of the consciousness the crown center receives first of all the stimuli of the spirit commanding the other centers, yet vibrating with them in a perfect system of interdependence. So when you think about the Hindu, and they talk about the different chakras, Spiritism calls them the four centers, and they, all, and they combine you know, one on one. So he says that considering our, our, in our, the phenomenon of the physical body, is that these centers control, the paraspirit kind of permeates your whole body to every cell, right? 
and each one of them commands different parts. But if your para-spirit is damaged because in your previous life you did something uh, to harm your, your body, your para-spirit feels that and records that and therefore in the spirit world your para-spirit is damaged too. So it's really your para-spirit you know, becomes your, your mental creation. So let's talk about the four centers. So in Spiritism tells us there's the crown center, which commands all the other center, right? That's the sim, uh, stimuli of the spirit. The simulation distributes solar energies and electro electromagnetic resources. There's the cerebral center. The brain controls senses, sight, hearing, touch, and psychic abilities. The throat center controls speech. The heart controls emotion. The splenic controls, center controls the distribution of nourishment for your body. The gastric center, the entry point of food and fluids and the genetic center was control sex and allows stimulus to your body. Therefore, the paraspirit <coughs> is composed of seven major centers, all working in concert to regulate our spiritual and physical bodies. One could imagine the paraspirit lying as a transparent layer inside our bodies and connected to our material organs to guide, heal, and regulate our physical life. The connection is a two-way street. So let me see if I can show you the screen right now so you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, share screen. Oh, can't do that. Sorry, it doesn't work. So I will try that at a later time when I was going to show you the, the, uh, the different uh, centers. And of course, in, in the chakras is the crown center, the third eye chakra, which is the psychic, the throat center, the heart, uh, the solar plexus center, the splenic uh, chakra, I should say, and the root chakra. So the seven force centers correspond to the seven major chakras in the Hindu and Buddhist traditions. And chakra are energy points in the subtle body, which is really the paraspirit. So hence, the Eastern religions knew of the vehicle that contains our spirit while we are here in the physical world. They understand that we were but travelers here on earth, taking our turns, living as dense matter, so that we may partake of physical life, what has been assigned to us. So what happens in the next life when one center is affected? So let's go back to Julio who killed himself by poison. What's this? Yes, oh, okay. So, the, uh, the spirit manager explains to Andre Luis how he will repair his pain and, and his wrong of suicide. This is what he says. When acts contrary to the divine law, our mind harms the harmony of any one of our soul's force centers. It is naturally enslaved to the effects of the unbalancing action, meaning when he committed suicide, thus making the toil readjustment necessary. In Julia's case, he is the author of disturbance in the throat center, an alteration expressed by the infirmity or imbalance that will necess by necessity go with him into reincarnation. And Andre asks, well, okay, how, how will he cleanse the def the, this deficiency? So what his spirit manager says that Julio will have to live with pain in his throat, thus healing himself by correcting the vibratory toneness of the throat center and reestablishing it to normality. In other words, Julio will be reborn in a, in a somewhat defective body, which will 
somehow portray the injured area, the throat, and he'll suffer from, his vocal cords will suffer, he'll have re resistance to, you know, bacteria, that means you'll have strep throat, other things like that. So therefore, the deficiencies are carried over with us from one life to the next if we do something to harm our body, which in turn affects the paraspirit. Whatever part of the body we abuse in one life will be affected in the next. Socrates, the ancient Greek philosophy, philosopher, knew what he was talking about when he said, everything in moderation, nothing in excess. Over 2,500 years ago, he said this, keep in mind the seven centers and check your excesses. If you are having problems in one or more areas, then you should know exactly what to work on in your present life. Oh, hello, uh, Dania. So, what happens? So, now, we also said, okay, we are told that sickness is caused by viruses, bacteria, and other environmental factors alone, having nothing to do with our own behavior. To believe so puts us back in the areas of superstition. Back then, when an ailment occurred, the first thing a person would ask is, why is God punishing me? Or what did I do wrong to deserve this? Could there be, perhaps, a truth in the real cause of our troubles? So, the answer is a qualified yes. Both of these, viral and bacterial infections, are still occur naturally, and thus we are encouraged to use the services of medical professionals when we have any problems. That is absolutely stated by Spiritism. The vital point is that the spirit world knows all and even each effect of our scientific advances, including what can be cured and what can't be cured. Therefore, we are programmed in our new life to experience trials, and each trial is arranged with whatever assistance we may have from medicine taken into account. And because of the imbalances that develop, each center must be calibrated and remeasured periodically. And as Andre Luis says, each force center must be brought into complete harmony with the divine laws that govern us so that we can ascend towards perfect equilibrium. So Betsy says, let me see, says if someone shoots you in in the head, your paraspirit brain is damaged, your paraspirit, and therefore you will reincarnate with brain problems. No. So that's a great question. This if someone shoots you in the head, you did not deliberately shoot yourself in the head. If you committed suicide by shooting yourself in the head, your brain says, I've destroyed my brain, right? You're, and then it goes through your spirit, your paraspirit, and it says, I've destroyed my brain. So you have set up this, this uh, visual picture in your own mind of that you've just shot yourself and you've, you've scattered your brain. And in fact, spiritism tells us that many people who come with severe disabilities are those who committed suicide by shooting themselves in the head. But, this is the important thing, let's say you're in a car accident, right, and you, you get crushed, right? Or you are someone, like, like Betsy said, someone shoots you in the head. Your mind had no idea. You did not deliberately think, oh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I hope this guy shoots me in the head. No. So therefore, your life is ended, and most probably it ended at the time it should have, by being shot in the head by someone else. But you did not think that, and therefore there is no effect on your paraspirit. And that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked that. So it's, it's something that you have to mentally discharge yourself. 
So uh, the important thing is when during our life on earth, right, and we persist in the areas of selfishness and other wrongs and other things we do, the effect carries on in our parispirit. Whatever we did incorrectly will harm one or more of our force centers. So did we, you know, take drugs too much? Did we, you know, destroy our liver by alcohol? And that will hurt the harmony of our parispirit. So our next life, we may have some sort of infirmity. In fact, what Clarencel says, who's uh, Andre Luis's spirit manager, says, Infirmity as disharmony of the spirit continues on in the paraspirit. Known diseases, in addition to others that is, have escaped human diagnosis, will persist for a long, long time in the tormented sp spheres of the soul, leading us to readjustment. Pain is a great blessed remedy. It educates and re-educates our mental activity, restructuring the pieces of our instrumentation and policing the anemic centers that our mind uses to develop itself on the journey toward the life eternal. So what we learn in the next life is we, we are given lessons, right? When we are an heir for something we've done, we endure, we endure discomfort. And as we train our children with a, you know, maybe a gentle slap on the hand or, or put them in the corner when they do something that could be life-threatening, the small amount of pain, which could be mental pain to them, right, is meant for them to focus on the undesirability of performing that action again. Well, the same goes for us. When we are in pain, think of what we could have done to deserve the punishment. Then think of how to train ourselves not to perform that action anymore in this or the next life. The conduit of experiences flowing from one's life on earth to the spirit realm to the next life on earth as the paraspirit. In the Gospel according to Spiritism, we are told that God has given us for our advancement precisely what is necessary and what will be enough for us. The voice of conscience and our instinctive tendencies taking from us what could harm us. Therefore, the Paraspirit guides us in our conscience and inst instincts when we are here on earth and absorbs new lessons to carry us through to the next life. Honing our instincts to know what is the right thing to do and what circumstances to avoid the voice of our conscience, which I keep saying over and over again, that is what you need to make stronger and more accurate. That, and as you have experiences, it becomes more like a law library that you're adding books to. You're, you're disco discovering new and new uh, circumstances in which you can interpret what is the best action. And that's why it's so important to start listening to your conscience. So, now, what happens... How do you, how are you prepared for birth? What happens at the moment of conception or later while the fetus grows in the womb? Depending on the past life and the importance of the mission, the amount of assistance given by the spirit world differs. So this is interesting. There is a lot of assistance given to birth. Just as there is assistance, as I'll talk about later, when you pass on and you're done with your physical body, there is a spirit assistance to birth to some of us, right? Others could just be a natural birth. So how does this paraspirit enter the mother's womb? In the book, Between Heaven and Earth, there is a scene where there is a plan for a child to be born to a couple. And the mother-to-be is brought into the spirit world during her sleep to meet her, her new child. This is even before she is pregnant. 
So I don't know if any women out there have had dreams of meeting a child even before they were pregnant. So I would like to hear from you. So during the, during the subsequent nights, a group of spirits is outside the bedroom of this woman and her husband, waiting for them to finish their act of conception. Then when the couple has fallen asleep, when they've had intercourse and the sperm is coming to the egg, there are spirits around the woman's body. And so what happens is when that, when that occurs, it's like a spark. And so then the spirit of the mother, it may not be conscious, she starts to concentrate on her child that she has met before the inter, for intercourse or conception occurred. And then the, the mother, in her, and as she's asleep in her, in, you know, because when you're asleep, you can go to the spirit world. She and the, the new child, the soul that's coming into the, uh, the embryo, the fertilized embryo starts surrounding that small cellular uh, embryo and starts becoming inside. You know, first, he connects himself to the mother, and then he shrinks, shrinks, shrinks until he actually becomes inside the mother. So <clears throat> then he also said, now he's seen other, and he says, I don't see a large number of technicians at this at this conception, because he just saw that happening, and he saw the spirit just completely, you know, make itself smaller to get into the embryo, the fertilized embryo. But then, what his team leader says, he, you know, when he when he asks, why aren't there more spirits around helping? And he says, well, Julio's reincarnation, which is the baby boy, won't require any special attention from our spirits. Just, you know, it was more, it was more of a birth that Julio was reincarnated. It is an experimental descent into the area of dense matter and it's of interest only to himself and his family members. However, this is interesting now, if his life was meant to influence society as a whole and if he were the holder of indisputable merit with responsibilities towards other, the matter would be quite different. Forces of a higher order would be mobilized to interfere with his chromosomes to ensure that the embryo would be suitable for its mission. Now, understand what I just said. The extent of guidance of the spirit realm into the affairs of our earthly existence is remarkable. The process of a normal reincarnation, where a spirit is re-entering the world to learn and to atone for past wrongs, is a thing of beauty. The act of having the mother meet her child beforehand to ensure the love and devotion required to raise a new life in this world is a wonderful gift given to us by God. But the revelation that for special lives, those spirits that are marked by the spirit realm to contribute to humanity are carefully engineered from their inception. Each detail of their DNA is guided to produce a child of inborn talent, a miracle which answers many questions when we see children of exceptional, of exceptional merit. So Andre Louis says, well, okay, well, you know, how does this work? You know, what if someone was supposed to be like a, you know, like a Einstein, a great scientist? He's answered that they would then pay attention, special attention to the brain structure. So that, that embryo, that child would be ensured of having an instrument capable of enabling him or her to fulfill their duties during the materialization of thought. And then they asked, what if, what if the person was going to be a doctor, a surgeon? 
he's answered, then they would get special assistance in the development of, of their nervous system to ensure that he com had complete control over his emotions. So what we are being told of the active manipulation of countless births throughout our history to direct our species to the ultimate goal of assisting human society to achieve the next step of evolving into a better world. How like children we are. We don't, we don't see this. We don't know this. That, that has all been revealed to us, starting with Alan Kardec in the 1850s. We are being gently directed into our past for our own good, all the while clueless and absorbed into our own self-existence. So, therefore, each of us comes in this world. Some of us may have been assisted by other spirits, right? Some of us may have been affected by our lives before. And so there's all these factors that come in there. And then you have these factors of your birth, right? And then you, you also have the factors as, as you're a child and you become an adult. You're living through pre-existing trials. So, what we're doing is we're, we're reincarnating and we're starting from a new start. Now let's talk about childhood. So now that we know how the paraspirit is placed in the fetus, we need to explore how childhood evolves. So, do we remember who we were, what we did, why we must endure childhood? How do we keep our individuality through the first stages of our life? Again, this process is fully explained by Spiritism. And additionally, Spiritism answers such questions as, if God is all par powerful, why must infants and, s and children uh, first, right? Why do we have to be children first? If we are truly need to come to earth to learn from our past mistakes, wouldn't it be easier to come as an adult and start the process? So, let's to start, let's examine what Jesus told us in Matthew, chapter 11 verse 25 at the time jesus said i praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children yes father for this was your good pleasure now as with many passages in the bible this could be interpreted in different ways according to the doctrine of spiritism the most likely answer is that little children represent our humble aspect as children we looked up to our parents gladly taking in what they offered us without question and with the trust of innocence this is different from the stage of being a teenager questioning everything and secretly or not so secretly depending on their mood thinking that that they know best and everyone else is irretrievably stupid hence we should accept the word of god as children accept the word of their parents we should have faith that this love will see us through and that we shall become wiser with age while the foundation of our moral code is strong, stable, and everlasting. What was hidden from the wise and learned? First, the attitude of humility, the recognition that we have little knowledge, that we always have more to learn. Children instinctively know this. They know they always make mistakes. Next, that the fact that the universe does not rotate around us. As adults, some of us feel that way. I know I did. But that we must be givers and not the takers. Lastly, that love is a powerful force that doesn't bloom in a field of pride and selfishness. And how many of the wise and learned and others understand this? I'm sad to say it took me a very, very long time. So how does the spirit world set it up, us up to learn and grow in responsible and respectful humans? So 
When we reincarnate, we are not allowed to remember our past lives or our time as a spirit. To determine why this is so, let's examine the case of a spirit who was reincarnated with the ability to remember past lives. In the book, The Messengers, psychographed by Chico C. Xavier, dictated to him by the spirit Andre Louise, Andre talks about a, he encounters a person who completely failed in his mission on earth and his name was Joel and this this is what he told Andre Luis why he failed he said my failure was not because of too much sensitivity but because of how I used it as I understand now God allows some individuals to have superior sensitivity so they can use it as a tool a kind of powerful magnifying lens that helps them see the right course of life for themselves and other they are supposed to help. This extra sensitivity can help perceive life's path, identify dangers and shortcuts, and clearly see obstacles. Instead of using the gift in that way, all I did was use it, use it to satisfy my warped curiosity about myself. To fulfill my role of helping others, my expanded perception included the ability to remember my past lives. Most people can't recall their own past, and for good reasons. In my case, I was supposed to use that knowledge in my service to help others, not to obsess about it, and that's where I failed. I began to obsess about previous existences, which I had been Monsignor Alejandro Pizarro, who participated in the last years of the cruel Spanish Inquisition. That's when I started missing, misusing the spiritual magnifying lens I told you about. The excitement of the sensations was inebriating. It was as if I was addicted to drugs or alcohol, and I neglected all of my previously accepted responsibilities. I started spending all my, trying, all my time trying to locate the people who had been my companions during my time centuries before as a religious man. I forced myself to find each and every one of them in space and time, reconstituting their biographical sketches, completely ignoring the work I was supposed to do. So I spent my life in this fashion, going from revelation to revelation, sensation to sensation. I, who had reincarnated with the unusual ability to remember in order to be useful, transformed my gift into a tool of addiction. I had thrown away an opportunity to redeem myself, and I lived tortured by intermittent bouts of hallucinations. The misuse of my sensitivity generated an imbalance in my mind so that I became painfully unstable. So now this is a perfect example of what could happen when we know too much and are unable to focus on what we need to learn. Imagine sitting in a classroom with a TV blaring, showing you scenes, you know, in your mind, showing your scenes from your previous existence, while your teacher tried to show you the basic facts of algebra, which, which you think, oh, I've learned that before, I'm not going to listen to that, because you know everything. One could not possibly possess the mental force to concentrate on that valuable lesson, especially if you'd had some type of mathematical background before and tried to merge it with what you're learning at the present time. Not only would you reject parts of what was offered you, but you would also be exasperated with having to sit through the same lecture again, even though spaced out by hundreds of years. There are other reasons as well. The Gospel according to Spiritism, it says, a spirit is frequently reborn into the same environment in which it already lived and finds itself in relationships with the same individual in order to repair the wrongs it did to them. If it were to recognize in them those who it used to hate, perhaps its hatred would reawaken. In any case, it would feel humiliated in the presence of those it offended. Therefore, the need to forget the past, not only that of our present life, 
but from previous lives as well as a necessity to be able to learn and to forgive others and to grow spiritually. So that said, are we a completely blank slate? Starting over? No, for again in the Gospel according to Spiritism we are told that God has given us our advancement precisely what is necessary and what will be enough for us. The voice of our conscience, as I said before, and our instinctive tendencies taking from us what could harm us. The un so therefore there are two main levers of our behavior. If our conscience or instinct tells us something is wrong, I suggest that these warnings come with the wisdom of hundreds if not thousands of years behind them. So now, why must we endure childhood? So it's an important part of our learning process. In question 383 of the Spirit's book, it says, what is the use for a spirit of passing through the states of infancy? And the answer is, the aim of reincarnation is the improvement of the spirit subjected to it, and a spirit is more accessible during childhood to the impression he or she receives and which may conduce to his advancement, the end which all those who are entrusted with his or her education could contribute. Therefore, while we are young, we have the opportunity to change our basic dispositions and instincts, our character, our personality for the better, since we are in a more open and trusting state. Hopefully, this will allow us to improve our performance in later life and help us to attain a higher awareness of spirituality. This point is reinforced by the following statement later in the Spirit's book. This is what they say. The weakness of corporeal youth tends to render them more pliable, more amiable to the counsels of those whose experience should aid their progress. It is thus that evil tendencies are repressed and faulty characters are gradually reformed. So what more does one need to fully understand the significance of being good parents? Our first mission on earth is to create a loving and enriching atmosphere for our children. It is our duty to supply the structure, morally and physically, to give our children the best chances for a successful life. Now the question may be, why do we seek some examples of horrible parents? Why does God allow this? The Spirit Books supplies the answer in, in question 891. Since material affection is a natural sentiment, why is it that mothers often hate their children, and even in some cases before birth? And this is the answer. The absence of material affection is sometimes a trial chosen by the spirit of the child, or an expiation for him or her if they had been a bad father, or bad mother, or bad son in some previous existence. In all cases, a bad mother can only be the incarnation of a bad spirit who seeks to throw obstacles in the path of the child in order to make him or her succumb in the trial they have chosen. But such a violation of the laws of nature will not remain unpunished, and the spirit of the child will be rewarded for surmounting the obstacles thus thrown in their way. So, when does this phase of childhood innocence end? So, the answer is slightly variable, as shown by this passage in the Spirit's book about when a child starts to be more influenced by past experiences is what they say. But when children no longer need this protection, this assistance would have been given them during 15 or 20 years, their real character and individuality reappears in all of its nudity. He who is really good remains good, but even then his character reveals many traits and shades that were hidden during his early years. Therefore, it is not just teenage rebellion that is occurring but a real reawakening of a person's true character. If the parents are successful in their 
molding of the child, even a relatively less advanced spirit, will benefit from the formative years. A good spirit will take the learning given to them and build upon it. So, I want to thank everyone uh, for our talk tonight and hope that uh, that we have learn something today. Again, you can learn a lot more in greater detail in the case for reincarnation, your path to perfection. I uh, would encourage everyone to tell their friends, please share this video. Please go to my site, nwspiritism.com. Uh, I will post this video on my YouTube and BitSuit channels. You can go to my site, nwspiritism.com. You can cl click on links to my YouTube channel on the right-hand side. Please subscribe and tell other people about it. I do a lot of videos. Every Sunday night I post these, uh, you know, I have this program, I post these videos either Sunday night or Monday. And I also put a lot of smaller videos on there so people can watch. So I hope everyone has enjoyed this. I want to thank everyone for being with me and I hope you've learned. And again, I want to tell everyone to go to, um, to the links I had. I actually had a site on uh, Spiritism, study spiritism.org, uh, spiritismstudy.org. I always say that backwards for some reason. And there will also be a site on my Facebook page, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. You can go, you can actually click on the link that I gave and it will take you right to the calendar and then you can pick a time. Some people have already done that with me. They can pick a time. It will send me an email and then I can email you back saying how we're going to act, how we're going to communicate. It could be WhatsApp, it could be Skype could be uh, Facebook Messenger, as Matthew reminded me about in the beginning of this meeting. And I'd love to, you know, help you walk through your questions on Spiritism, your answers. We can study different books together, whatever book that you would like. You know, the ones that, that I know at least. There may be others that you're not, you know, I'm not sure about. But I'd like to help in any way I can to help you explore Spiritism and for you to improve your life. So when you pass over, you get rid of this physical body you are ready to ascend in the spirit world. Good night, everyone. God bless.